the main problem is all of the labeling around communication is negative. Stress, anxiety, fear, you're going to be in a casket. The only thing scarier than public speaking is death. Mm-hmm. Not the best way to learn something. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's all about how do we get people excited about communication? So the question that I ask everyone I talk to, especially on this topic, is how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer. And it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to the dirt. Today's guest is a rock star communicator that I am simply stoked to introduce. In fact, the company that he founded focuses on coaching ambitious entrepreneurs to become incredible speakers effectively presenting themselves in basically any setting. So I thought it fitting to focus today's episode on how entrepreneurs can become top 1% communicators and this founder's very windy path towards discovering his mission to do so. Founder and CEO of Master Talk, Brendan Kumarasamy, welcome to the dirt. Jim, it's great to be on, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, dude. Welcome. Welcome. Let's start with some of the basics. Where did the idea for Master Talk come from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially in the context of business owners, I always like to say I'm the anti entrepreneur. You know, there's like two types of entrepreneurs the ones who are born entrepreneurs, and the other type are made entrepreneurs. You have like Gary Vaynerchuk selling lemonade out of his out of his parents' backyard when he's eight years old. And then you have people who never thought they would be business owners. And I'm definitely the second type. I never thought I would be a business guy. I went to university college to business school so I can get an amazing job as an executive, which was my dream at the time. And I did these things called case competitions, Jim, when I was in college. Think of it like professional sports but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby, football, baseball, basketball, I was one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak, once again, with the outcome of getting a job. And then after I got it, and as I got older, I started to coach a lot of the students, mostly for free back then, on how to communicate, and also a lot of my friends in my early 20s who were technology CEOs. And that's how I developed an accidental expertise on how to communicate ideas effectively, which then led to Master Talk a few years after that, because I realized everything that I was sharing with them. Jim, wasn't available for free on the internet and I wanted to change that. Yeah, that's cool, man. And the uh, the obstacles that I'm, I'm sure you found along the way are probably fairly numerous given that you fell right into it. <laughs> what You mind just talking a little bit about what some of those were? I mean, so many. I would, I mean, where do we start? I would say the first one was I didn't feel I could even build a business. I the first year of Master Talk Gym was literally just me making videos in my mother's basement. That's it. Like every week I just make videos. And by the way, I'm still there. 
and all my CEOs know that I still live in my mom's basement. It's just not for money anymore. It's for other reasons we could talk about if you want. But I think the key is, is I never thought MasterTalk was going to amount to anything. In fact, the first six months of MasterTalk, I had a crazy idea to send 50,000 emails that I sent manually by the, because I didn't even know you could automate these things. So every day, for the summer, I would send 500 emails a day manually to university professors. Because my thinking at the time was, if they could just like get access to my channel, they would just distribute it to their students in perpetuity for the rest of their careers. Yeah, that didn't work so well in application. I got a lot of hate email. <laughs> a lot of people say I was too young to do this and a lot of shit talking. So it wasn't super fun. And I learned a really valuable lesson that day that if you want to be successful in entrepreneurship, there's no silver bullet. There's just a, a million different lead bullets you got to try. And I was too stubborn with the lead bullet I chose. Yeah, well, I mean, aren't we all stubborn with our first lead bullet? <laughs> yeah. And maybe our second and our third and our fourth too. What was the aha moment that that got you on the right path? Right. So there's two aha moments, one for the YouTube channel and one for the business that are completely different. So let's tackle both. The first one, which is the aha moment for the YouTube channel, was probably when I started it. And the reason was because I knew someone was going to watch my content because in my last semester of university, before I started my corporate career that I was really excited about, by the way, once again, there's no business here. <laughs> Yeah. And they all just asked me a question. All the students, I probably coached like 70 people at this point for free back then. And they asked me the question that changed my life, Jim. And the question was, how did you learn how to speak? And I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, did you hire a coach? Did you join Toastmasters? Did you watch YouTube videos? And that's what sparked the idea for MasterTalk. So I knew in that moment that I had something, at least from a media perspective. But the second aha moment was for the business. So nine months into MasterTalk, I was in Columbus, Ohio for an event called Summit of Greatness, which is a guy named Lewis Howes. He's the host of the School of Greatness podcast. He hosts this every year in his hometown. And I always wanted to, to meet him because he's like a hero of mine. I've been listening to his podcast forever. So I go to this event and I meet my future business partner at a 5 a.m. workout that an NFL punter was giving. It was called The Deck of Pain by a guy named Steve Weatherford. It was insane. Let me tell you that because I hate waking up in the morning to work out. I was like putting it out there. And the guy next to me, he's in his 40s. My business partner is 20 years older than I am. And he looked at me and he said, so what do you do, kid? Like, what do you do for fun? What, what are you passionate about? And I looked at him and I said, well, I make YouTube videos. He's like, okay, what are you making YouTube videos on? Skateboarding? And I looked at it and he said, public speaking communication. And he said, what? So he started watching a bunch of videos and he's the one who helped me find product market fit because he said a lot of Indian born technology executives would pay top dollar for me to coach them because they trust me because I'm in their community and they need communication to become vice presidents. And he wrote me my first check. That's how I got started in business. That's very interesting. You know, one of the one of the things that drew me to you initially was two things, I think. One was you you had that young look and you have you come across as much more sophisticated than just a young kid, right? So I think I see a lot of that in what you just mentioned. And the second one, more importantly, was how many free resources you have available to help people communicate including a number that are targeted at teenagers and young adults, you know, the pre-entrepreneurs, if you will. And one thing that that really hit me was something you had said in in some of your other interviews, which was 
that you believe the next Elon Musk is a 15 year old girl who can't afford a communication coach. So it's kind of your duty to help them succeed with your free resources, which I thought was just so cool and so on mission. Do you mind just speaking a little bit more to that? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I'll, I'll tell you the story. So, so the story is, and I appreciate the kind words, but it's awfully generous of you. And going back to the TikTok that I was watching a few months ago. So the TikTok has nothing to do with the mission, but I think it, it has everything to do with it. So I'm watching this and Taylor Swift wins this award called Woman of the Year by Billboard. She gets up on the stage. She looks at the crowd. It's like 2014 or something. And she says, your future woman of the year is in a choir right now is learning how to sing mm. and has big dreams to be a singer, even if they're 11 years old right now. And we need to take care of her. And then she walks off stage. And then the TikTok flips, Jim, to seven years later. And Billie Eilish becomes the youngest inductee in Billboard's history to win one of the year. She gets at like 17 or something crazy. So she gets up on that stage, like 2019. So it's like five years later. And she's got her big baggy jacket, her big glasses. And she looks at the audience and goes, yo, what's up? I don't even know how I won this. And like Taylor Swift is so amazing. And, and then the last 10 seconds of her speech completely changes my life. Jim. And she ends with, Oh, yeah. Uh, when it was 2014, I was watching Taylor Swift when she won Woman of the Year, and I was 11 years old. Mm. And I was in choir, and I was learning how to sing, and I had big dreams. And the only thing I've left to say, Billboard, is thank you for taking care of me. And then she walks off stage. So, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this story because when I saw that TikTok, I immediately thought of the next Elon Musk. Because when Elon was 15 years old, nobody gave a shit about him. He was a kid in South Africa. He still hadn't exited Zip2 to Compaq, which is like nine years later when he started it after he immigrated to Canada and the US shortly after with his brother, Kimball. Before then, like nobody cared about Elon. Nobody sat him down and said, hey, kid, you got to learn how to speak. Like, let me coach you for 45 minutes. But I thought about more importantly, the next Elon, because Elon made it. He doesn't need me anymore, even if I could probably help him. And I said, okay, the next Elon Musk is probably seven, 14, 15 years old right now in this conversation that we're having. And we have no clue who that person is. But one thing I do know for a fact is that person doesn't have access to a communication coach. So if I could be the messenger and make all of the next Elon Musk for the rest of history, even after I'm dead, I could expedite the process of creating all of these purebred entrepreneurs, turning them all into superstar communicators and accelerate the human race at lightning speed. That's my ultimate vision for the world. I love that, man. Very cool. Very cool. What do you think is the biggest challenge that the next 15 year old girl or boy or you know 11 7 however however old they are but you know the one that doesn't have access to those resources what do you think the biggest challenge is for them absolutely and and the challenge is the same even if the person's listening to this podcast is making 10 or 100 million dollars a year and the challenge is motivation a lot of people think it's fear, Jim, but it actually isn't fear. Because if we're motivated enough to do something, we can push through the fear and get it done anyways. And so many of us as business owners have done that. We were motivated enough to push through all the obstacles, all the people said no to us to get to the result. So what's the main problem? The main problem is all of the labeling around communication is negative. Stress, anxiety, fear, you're going to be in a casket. The only thing scarier than public speaking is death. Not the best way to learn something. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's all about how do we get people excited about communication? So the question that I ask 
everyone I talk to, especially on this topic, is how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? We dream about the expensive cars we want to buy, the vacations we want to go on, the big businesses we want to build. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? And the last time was probably never for everyone listening to this podcast. So I would start there. Yeah, that's that's so true, right? We we view this, especially for, I think, a lot of tech founders who are traditionally maybe a little bit more introverted. It's it's viewed as this negative. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it, right? This fear of of public speaking or even of remote speaking, which is kind of you know part of the world we live in now. What you know, what specifically for some of those more introverted folks, whether they're tech founders or otherwise, what advice do you have on how they specifically can better communicate? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. And I completely agree with what you just said, especially the tech CEO community. They don't make it a priority at all because when they study software engineering or computer science, a lot of the curriculum is not focused on, hey, you need to know how to lead people. You need to know how to communicate. No, it's code Java, code C++, code Ruby on Rails and Python, and that's how you're going to be successful in life. I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe for the first two to three years of your career. But then after, you're not going to be coding for the rest of it if you want to keep moving up in the executive ladder. So yes, it's limited in thinking, I would argue. In terms of introversion, though, there's principles that apply for all, but I'll comment on introverts specifically. From experience, I've actually found, Jim, surprisingly, in seven years of doing this, so I started when I was 19, I'm 26 now, is in that seven years, I found that introverts are actually way better at communication than extroverts, surprisingly. And there's three main reasons for that. It's just introverts don't know them. So the first one is that introverts are exceptional communicators, Jim. Because they speak less on average, they listen more on average. Whereas me, as you could probably guess, I'm an extra extrovert. I'm always talking all the time. That's why I'm a guest on shows. I'm always yelling at people. So it's harder for me to listen. It's something I've had to spend years honing. Introverts don't have that problem. They're able to quickly listen and adapt the message. That's number one. Number two is they're much better at pausing. Pausing is the most basic form of communication that extroverts struggle with. Because whenever we're at a party, we're at a bar, we're talking to somebody, and there's a space in the conversation, we want to fill it up immediately. Hey, uh, what's your favorite color? Jim, uh, I like your shirt. Where'd you buy? So we're always trying to fill up space. Introverts never do that because they're much more comfortable with silence, because once again, they speak less on average. So when you tie that relationship with pausing and speaking, they get it immediately, which brings me to number three. Number three is not well-known. Accessibility. Introverted speakers, Jim, are actually a lot more accessible as communicators than extroverts. Let me use Gary Vaynerchuk as an example, because I know he wouldn't mind, because I'm a big fan of his work. And Gary V is the type of speaker that you either really, really like, or you really, really don't. He doesn't lie in the middle. You either say, I'm a big fan of this guy, like I am, or you say, oh my God, I can't stand this guy. But you can't say that about Brene Brown. Here are the words that have never been uttered on a podcast, at least I think, Jim, in the history of podcasting. I hate Brene Brown. If you say that, the FBI and the CIA are going to come <laughs> after you and put you in jail. And that's the point I want to drive. Obviously, I love Brene Brown's work. She's awesome. But the point I want to drive is when you're more introverted, you're actually more accessible. So the, what's the point? Leverage your strengths and triple down on them. Yeah, that's great. On that same note, you know, this whole trend of of moving online, being more remote pairs with this whole trend of being able to speak on a Zoom call or being able to talk to people without being in the room. Are there any specific 
things that you're seeing in that in that shift right over the last few years that you can speak to? So let's set the burning platform first and give some advice. So what's the burning platform? The burning platform is pre-pandemic, those tools always existed, but they were multiple options. So you could pick between that and an in-person meeting, unless you had a fully remote team pre-pandemic. But post-pandemic, what a lot of companies are realizing is the $7,000 I used to spend taking a business class ticket to the other side of the country to sign a, a deal on a dotted line, I could just do that on a Zoom call now. So communication online, in other words, has transitioned from being a bonus skill to a must-have. It's going to be necessary for the rest of your career now. Even if it was prior to that, it's just more so now. So what do we do about it given that? There's three key differences between online and offline, Jim. So let's tackle them. The first one is eye contact. When you're in person, you want to move your head as you're talking to different people in person to make them feel heard and understood. But when you're online, whether you're speaking to one or 10,000 people, you only look in one area, which is the camera lens. So that way you stare at people and give the illusion that you're looking at them directly. So you can put like your favorite food, you can put it like your family next to the lens. You could have like an arrow that says, look here or else that's more sarcastic. So you kind of pick what you like. That's one. Two is energy. At the end of the day, Jim, let's face it, it's a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person because there's more pressure. Like when you're online, you can just say, well, you know, it's 10 a.m. Do I really need pants? Like you just don't really need to think about it too much. When you're in person, well, you got to get up in the morning. You got to make sure you take a shower. People are going to be around you. There's a lot more pressure to show up with energy. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is bring more energy in person and transfer as much of that energy as possible back in an online setting. That's number two. And then finally, number three, accessibility. It's a lot easier to talk to your audience when you're in person, Jim. So let's say I give a workshop near you somewhere and I say, hey, can I get some feedback? Just like, yeah, let's go get lunch right now. And let me, let's go through some points. So it's, it's instantaneous. There's no friction. But online, there's a lot more friction because the Zoom call just ends. So it's harder to stay in touch with people. So you need to force those interactions. Those are the biggest differences. Yeah, that's great. And those presentation skills in general, presenting succinctly, right you know effectively whether it's virtual or virtual or in person so important one thing i also see so many founders struggle with is running effective meetings in general right not necessarily you know with with prospects or not necessarily with partners but even just internal with their team right struggling to run effective meetings aside from just speaking do you have any thoughts on you know how folks might be able to better harness their own abilities to run effective meetings? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. So I call this my, my three-question framework. So the first one, which I'm sure you, you've probably talked a lot about on the podcast, is what's the goal of the meeting? Simple as that. And what we'll find is when we look at our calendar, 10% of the meetings that we have booked or that our team books for us, if we're the CEO of the company, we're like, what's the point of this? Why am I even in this call? So you can already delete 10% of the meetings that you're a part of in that given week. So I just took gave you 10% of your life back. So that's one. Second one, 
what is my contribution in this meeting? So let's assume that the goal of the meeting is clear, but the second question begs itself, which is, okay, but why am I specifically in this important and relevant meeting? And especially if you're the CEO, you'll find out another 10% of the time. It's probably more than 10. I'm just being pessimistic. Let's just say 10%. Probably 50 plus. Yeah, (laughs) I just just say 10 to save face, but yes, 50 is probably more accurate. Yeah. But you'll find that you know your a lot of your team your team members because you're the CEO you're very high up in the company that you've built or that you're helping build that they just want you in the meeting so they just automatically CC you in a bunch of things whereas you go like okay guys like the meeting's clear here but you don't need me in this meeting you can make the decision without me text me if you need anything you just cancel that meeting so you get twenty percent of your life back but the most important one becomes question three that I feel a lot of CEOs don't think about or talk about which is provided the goal and the contribution is clear. How do I communicate that contribution in a way that inspires and adds value? And this is where I'm going to add a little bit more tough love because a lot of executives and leaders of companies do not do question three because they don't take their meetings seriously enough. Example, whenever they're giving a town hall meeting, they're updating their team on a status. They sound super boring. Okay, guys, uh, so uh, we did this much money last quarter. Great job. Keep it up. And you've already lost like 50%. People are listening to you. And what founders need to understand, Jim, and I know you drill this in your founders, so I'm giving a different lens to this, is you're always injecting belief throughout every stakeholder you're talking to. So every meeting is a world championship match. Whether you're talking to people that you're managing or people that are managing you, which may be a board of directors, venture capitalists, people who are investing in your company, you're always injecting belief. And if they feel that that belief is wavering, they'll question your intentions as the CEO, even if your intentions are the same throughout. So if one meeting, you show up with enthusiasm, but the next one, you're like, hey, guys, they go like, is this guy even serious? And they start to make up stories about you as the CEO. And I know that sounds crazy to some people who are, who are more early stage, but people who are more later stages in their business. They know what I'm talking about, which is you are always as good as your last outbat. You need to always show up with the same energy, enthusiasm, and passion as you did the first time that you swang that baseball bat and started the company. And that's the third piece that people don't get, especially when it comes to high stakes meetings. When they're giving a quarterly annual meeting with their team, that's a high stakes meeting because you're speaking to all 200 employees. You got to kill that presentation so that you're re-instilling the confidence that I made the right choice to not invest my money but my time to work for this guy or gal and what they're building yeah i mean i'm gonna just pause for a second because that is so crucial for people to think about right think about how you're showing up think about how you're showing up every other time from the time you just thought about because you probably thought first about what the time you last showed up at and then maybe about the time where you know you showed up great But what about all the times in between? And there are all too often where you have a bad day or something just gets in your way. And that is ultimately something that you are going to really uh, look back on and realize that that the outcome of some of that is exactly what you just mentioned, Brendan, right? Which is you're showing up that I forget exactly how you coined it, but the time that you show up, the least version of yourself is going to be the time that people remember the most. Right. I'm, I mean, I love the way you phrase that. And I completely agree. It's it's this whole kind of curse of being a CEO 
And it's the reality of it, to your point, Jim, which is you're always in the limelight, even if you're not doing media appearances. You know, some people might be listening to this and going, yeah, well, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not doing media appearances with the Nelk Boys and with all these other podcasts. But even if you're not doing media appearances, which you will eventually, you'll have to at some point in your career. But the other piece is even internally to your staff. It's the same game. You're always showing up. And that's the curse is you have to always show up as the best version of yourself. Because if you don't, people will question your character and who you're being, how you're being, because you're the person in that top spot. Yep. Well said. Well said. On that same note of improvement, what daily exercises can founders use or really anyone use to practice communication? Absolutely. And of course, you know, we had to establish that burning platform because your audience is so advanced, Jim, right? Like we discussed previous to this. But, you know, at the end of the day, to keep the tone the same, there's also a lot of upside that we need to keep in mind. So especially going into the three daily exercise that I'll that I'll be teaching right now to your audience, Jim, it doesn't take a lot of time. So, so focus on the inspiring part. Sure, it's true. Yes, you are the person that everyone looks up to. Yes, you will incur a lot of costs, hidden costs if you don't master communication, but also look at the upside. So you come into mastering it with the right energy, not like, shit, okay, Jim's right. I got to <laughs> actually work on this versus I get to do this because I can impact more lives and, and share my services with more people. So what are those three things? Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, Jim. And if we try and juggle all 18, storytelling, body language, eye contact, smiling, right? We're not going to be really good at it. So we need to focus on three. So let's talk about those three, which I believe to be the easiest ones. Number one, the random word exercise. Pick a random word like tissue box, like lights, calendar, hair, doesn't matter. Random words and create random presentations out of them. Why is this relevant? The reason is because if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So practice that a few times a day. I force all my C-levels to do this, even if they think it's childish, even if they don't think it's worth their time, it is because it helps them think quickly on their feet. So whenever they're in situations at work and in their business where things hit the fan and it's every day, Mm -hmm. they'll be ready for those situations. That's exercise number one of three. Well, keep keep them coming. Sure. I just I just didn't want to monologue for 10 minutes this way. So the second one is the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our careers, Jim. All the time. When we're in a boardroom, when we're on a podcast, when we're talking to people. But a lot of us are reactive to those questions, especially from investors, which shocks the crap out of me because that world is so tiny. They all know each other. So if you mess up, Okay, it's not the end of the world, but people will know. It's not like a secret unless you're you're invest unless you're flying out to different countries and doing pitches, which I don't think is anybody that I know of. So so that's really the key is we need to be serious about the way that we tackle questions. So in other words, how do we be more proactive? I'll tell you a quick story on this. When I started guesting on shows, I was terrible. And I still need a lot of work, but I was much worse back then, you know, a few years ago. And I got asked the funniest question in the world, Jim, when I, it was like on podcast seven or something. And he said, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, I don't know, man, Los Angeles, San Diego, you tell me. <laughs> so I was reactive. I was waiting for the question. It caught me off guard and I got hit in the face. So what did I do to fix this? 
especially now given well it's not so much an issue anymore but when i started and i was like 21 22 a lot of ceos were asking me a lot a lot of the hard questions i don't get as much but back then hey like why should i hire you you're like a kid in your early 20s why should i give you a few thousand dollars to work with me so what i did instead of just waiting for those questions to come up is i prepared for them in advance so every day for five minutes, five minutes is all I ask. Same thing with the random word exercise, five minutes. Spend five minutes answering one question about the business. That's it. Why your price is so high? Why your price is so low? What's your guarantee policy? Like every single day, answer one question. Why'd you start the business? What's your vision? But if you do this every day for a year, Jim, only five minutes as you start your day, you'll have answered 365 questions about the business in a year and you'll be bulletproof. I did this to an extreme where I locked myself in a room with the most critical people in my network and they blasted me with 700 questions until I had an answer for everything. So when I got the opportunities and I got to those executives, I crushed those meetings. And I want and the reason I point this out is a lot of us, when we get those opportunities, we're not crushing, we're just doing well. And that's not good enough in business. you got to really stand out. So that's number two is do the question drill. This is especially helpful when you're raising capital. What I recommend for those founders in particular is you want to group up with other founders, buddies of yours that have already raised from the people you want to raise. So that way it doesn't count because you don't have VCs in the room judging you, just other founders or people that you trust and just drill each other that way and you'll all be great. Finally, number three, so simple, nobody does it, Jim. Make a list of the people that you love, or in your case, the people who are listening to this, the employees in your business, because you might have 20, 30, 50, 100 employees. And ask yourself a simple question, and I guarantee nobody who's listening to this podcast has done this, and I force all of the people I work with to do this. When was the last time you sent a video message to each employee in your business just saying how much you appreciate having them in the company? And the answer for most people, especially in tech, is never. Because they always think about how they look. They always think about that. I got one guy to send 40 video messages. I told him, I don't care if it's the VP of the company or a janitor. You're going to spend an hour, let's say, because it's going to take a long time to send 40, 20-second video messages. And he woke up the next day, and he was astounded by the amazing positive feedback he got. People were like this. I was crying. Tears of joy mean so much to me. I can't believe the CEO sent me this video. And that my friend, is the best way to increase your retention rates of your employees and get loyalty. Not some foosball table, not ping pong, not unlimited beer, a video message from the CEO going, you're doing some incredible work, Jim. Keep it up, Brendan, and looking forward to your growth. Boom. I love it. If you uh, if you have anything that we can link to from a resources perspective around some of those, I would love to include that at the end in the show notes here. That is, Those are some awesome exercises, super simple keeping in mind that entrepreneurs only have so much time in a day, right? That CEOs only have so much time in a day, but all unique that I've never heard before. So awesome, man. Love it. Love it. Let me let me hop here into you know how we like to close out every one of our shows, which is something we call the the founder five. It's essentially a series of five, you know, rapid fire family feud like questions that in maybe if you even get it in under a minute, I'll send you a few things afterwards or something like that. 
<laughs> and uh, before before we get into that, Jim, do you mind yeah. if I jump on something really quick? Yeah, go right ahead, man. Absolutely. So, so you said actually something really fascinating. And I usually don't say this, but I'll say this because the audience is really advanced, which is rare for me. And And you said, hey, man, I would love for you to send me resources, and I'm happy to do that. But here's the most important one for people listening. The most important one is to understand the most important lesson of communication, which is the best way to speak is to speak. The biggest problem I got with CEOs and founders is they don't hire me because they want my knowledge. They hire me because they need the prioritization. And you don't need to hire me. The point I'm driving with this message is PSA, right? Public service announcement is, are you booking 15 minutes in your calendar tomorrow to do the damn thing? Because a lot of people are just writing it down. They're going, whoa, Jim, you know, I thought this Brendan guy was just like some kid and he's sharing this great information of random word exercise, question drill, video. He did all that for free. It's amazing. But you know the problem? The thing that pisses me off is they're not booking 15 minutes to actually do this because they just move on to the next thing. So I encourage everyone listening to this podcast, the winners, the people who want to take this seriously to actually do this. And I'll tell you the advantage. 99% of people who are listening to this podcast won't do it. So if you're the top 1% communicator of your industry, if that's your desire, you'll be the only person to do that, especially in tech. So I encourage you to spend five minutes tomorrow doing the random word exercise, five minutes tomorrow doing a question drill, and five minutes sending 10 to 15 video messages, and that's how you win. I'll take that one step further. Not Please. just I'm one, top 1% communicator in your industry, but but top 1% ambition to take your own development to the next level. Because one thing I see so many founders miss is they stop focusing on their own personal development because they're so focused on their company development and on their team's development. And unless you work on your own development, both your company and your team are going to hit a wall. It's just the way things work, right? It's top down. So if you're listening and you want to really focus on not only building yourself, but also your team and your company, do exactly what Brendan said and make that 15 minutes tomorrow. I love it. Absolutely, man. And and just another quote on this, and because you nailed that on the head so well, Jim, is Tony Robbins' famous quote, the biggest bottleneck in any business is not motivation. It's not the employee's. It's not the business model, is its leader. The biggest bottleneck in the business is its leader. So always remember that because to your point, Jim, if you don't fix your own limiting beliefs, if you don't think the business is going to hit 10 million, it's not going to hit 10 million. If you don't think the business is going to do better, it's not going to do better. So you need to fix yourself and everything else will fix itself. Well said. Well said. All right. So back to those rapid fire questions. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Founder five. So first, the number one metric or KPI that you are relentlessly focused on. I would say for me, the number one KPI that I'm always focused on for sure is going to be in the context of my free training. So most of our lead generation tool is we get people to come to a free training and then they watch us. So the specific metric that we're looking at here is two things. One is the number of registrations that we get every month and the show up rates and of those registrations. And the other piece is what is the average number of leads that we're getting to our free trainings from our clients. And we want to make sure that's really high. And if it's going down, we need to figure out why we're not sending enough video messages, we're not sending enough gifts, we're not increasing the number of customer touch points. So that was be. I know I gave you a couple, but those are kind of the main. Oh, that's great. That's a good one for anyone who offers anything freemium, right? Yeah. So that's awesome. Number two, top tip for growth stage founders like yourself. 
I would say the top tip for growth stage founders is re reverse engineer the business from the end first. So for me, and this is something, it's an it's a continuously evolving process because it'll change all the time. I always like to model what future founders have already done and make sure that I'm building the right house. Because I find a lot of founders, what they do is they just copy people too quickly and they don't actually analyze different facets of the business besides just top line growth. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a super simple example. There's so many tech founders who just go, I want to raise money. I want to raise money. I want to raise money. And I, and I just want to dilute myself and build a unicorn. Well, you have to consider, is your business actually going to get become a unicorn? Because maybe the market isn't big enough. You have to really be a lot more strategic because every business is different versus going, whereas me, I don't want to raise any capital. I want to be a lifestyle entrepreneur, right? Because when you don't raise capital, like nobody tells you what to do and it's a high cash business. So I think the point is rely on multiple models of people who have the end game you have and have an unbiased balanced perspective to look at all of them before making a decision of who you actually want to be. Well said. Next, favorite book or podcast or whatever medium that's helped you grow as a founder? I would say Thirst by Scott Harrison, Jim. So Scott Harrison is the CEO of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit he started to help people gain access to clean water. So now the question becomes, why, why is he talking about thirst? A couple of reasons. Number one, it's a great case study in communication, public speaking. Someone who used to be a nightclub owner in his early 20s in New York City, getting people drunk, went to build the largest water charity in the world. And he's raised like hundreds of millions of dollars for his nonprofit. So he's an excellent case study of what's possible for our lives. Number two, storytelling, the guy's world class. I learned so much from Scott, from his keynotes, from the way that he brands the charity. He does branding a lot better than a lot of pro for-profit companies who have a lot bigger budgets than he does. I think that's really smart. And then the third lesson I got from Thirst is really in regards to the nonprofit piece. So what do I mean by that? If he can achieve all of that and not have the the same capital levers that a for-profit entity does, imagine what we can do with for-profit. And that's really why I love Scott, because he's been able to build a nine-figure charity with a nonprofit arm in like 13 years. So what's my excuse to build the company that I want to build, especially if it's a capitalistic one? And there's a quote to I'll add, all it takes in the world to have hope is one person. And why can't that person be you? Nice. All right. Number four, what actor would play you in a movie? This is a tough one. I have to really think about this. It's probably an Indian actor you've never heard of, uh, Jeff. So it's probably going to be Shah Rukh Khan, who's like a famous Indian actor in the world. I think that'd be super cool if you played me. Very cool. What is going to be the title of your autobiography when you're done and you've achieved your mission? Man, I love this question. I've never gotten this one before. I would say for me, the title of of my book will be The Optimizer. So my vision in life is I want to write the best book in human history on communication in my 30s. And then after that's done and I get the acclaim that I need for that and I got to the Elons of the world, towards the end of my life, I'm going to write a book on how I optimized every area of my life to achieve what I have in, in the shortest possible time so people can just copy that playbook for their life and not waste time. Very cool. All right. Well, that completes our founder five. So, you know, you've given so much to our listeners today, Brendan. So I always like to allow for you to have a little bit of self-promotion at the end. How how can listeners help you out? Absolutely, Jim. First of all, this is great, man. I'm super glad we had this conversation. Super fun. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. 
Just go to Master Talk in one word, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is a free training every, I do every three weeks over Zoom. It's fun. It's live. It's interactive. And I facilitate the call. It's not some boring webinar. And if you want to register for that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Well said. And Brendan, thank you so much for joining today, man. This has been an honor and uh, look forward to spending some more time with you. Pleasure was absolutely mine, brother. Thanks for having me. Take care. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt. <laughs>